Welcome to the Life Well-Lived Podcast. I'm Kayla Brandon, a holistic health coach and wellness enthusiast. I am absolutely obsessed with learning about people who live their most authentic lives. In this podcast, you'll hear stories about those who truly live a life well-lived and what they do mentally, spiritually, and physically to get there. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump into your daily dose of practical advice on pursuing a life with purpose and passion. This week, I caught up with Emily Addy, former Division I college athlete turned yoga instructor turned business school graduate. Emily and I met when we were both consulting in D.C. and trying to find something that lit us up outside of work. Enter yoga. Now, Emily's journey with yoga actually began in college as a Division I athlete, using this ancient practice to help improve her flexibility. As she explains, yoga ended up being far more beneficial for her mental well-being than she could have ever imagined. In this episode, we cover the void you sometimes feel when you start out your career in corporate America, how to find your passion outside of work, how yoga made her a better public speaker, and finding time to graduate from business school, start an online yoga platform, and get married all during a global pandemic. Is there anything Emily can't do? Without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome, Emily, to the show. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you, Kayla, and I'm so honored to have been asked to be on your podcast. I know, I feel like we've known each other through the yoga and wellness space since we both lived in D.C. years ago, which feels like a very long time ago. But I've loved staying in touch and seeing what you're up to um, moving to Chicago and getting married and having a baby. So I am thrilled to see you in person. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. I wish every conversation could start that way. That was so warm and welcoming. Um, I feel the same way about you. And rather than me talking about your experience, I know you mentioned we met in D.C., much like um, our friend, mutual friend, Sasha, who's you know your best friend. We all met through Core Power and everything like that. Um, but I would love for you to introduce yourself, kind of let the audience know who you are. So where you came from, what maybe what you studied, what you do now, and, and also life stuff too. You just got married. So give us all of the deets. Yeah. No, I love how you frame that because I feel like so many people are like, tell us what you do. And it's just about career. Um, so I guess I can start at the beginning. I, uh, I'm Emily and I grew up in uh, the Northeast in Massachusetts. Um, I was a competitive athlete throughout high school and college. So that kind of leads into some of the yoga stuff we'll talk about, I'm sure. But I did track and field throughout high school um, and then competed as a division one track athlete in college. So that was kind of a big part of my life um, growing up and into early adulthood. Um, Once I graduated from college, I moved to DC, as you mentioned, and worked as a management consultant which I think was a big life shock as it probably is for anyone when they start um, a new job out of college, everything is different. Uh, so during that time is when I really leaned into yoga. I had already um, been introduced to yoga, I would say during college, but really started um, doing a lot more yoga and eventually did yoga teacher training uh, at Core Power Yoga, as you mentioned, which was a really great experience. I actually went into it not knowing if I would teach off the bat, but um, ended up really loving it. So. Now I'm also a yoga instructor and I've taught at studios in DC as well as um, a gym there. And then in 2018, I moved to North Carolina. Um, My now husband is in the military. So that kind of is what brought me down here. Although I was working um, with my company for a year here, then um, started at business school at Duke, 
Um, so I continued to teach yoga there. And um, I just actually graduated from school. It's been a crazy few months. So graduated in May, um, got married. Funny enough, they scheduled or rescheduled our graduation on the same day as my wedding. So I attended my wedding and <laughs> not the graduation, but smart um, move. <laughs> still got the certificate or whatever. So um, yeah, graduated, got married, uh, recently did a month long road trip with some time off as kind of our honeymoon for the time being um, and moved. So it's been super busy, but um, I'm getting excited to restart my whole time job. So I'm going to be going back to the company I was at prior, um, but in kind of a new role with a new focus. So, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> that's a lot um, to unpack, and I don't want to miss a single section of what you just said, but I would love to start at the very beginning of where you mentioned, you know, you went to college, you were a Division One athlete. Um, that is a lot of pressure, and you found yoga, I'm assuming, as a very healing practice through all of that to move your body, but without, like, the stress of maybe performing um, could you talk a little bit more about how you got interested in yoga and also your journey along with it? So not just your interest, but how have you evolved since then in your yoga practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was, I was actually first introduced to yoga through my track coach. So that my intro was really like as relates to sports. So I was running constantly. I was really, really inflexible. So I actually hated it at first. Our coach set up like a weekly yoga session um, at a studio in town. So I went to that. But very quickly, I realized how great I felt when class was over. And it really had less to do with like physically feeling good, but I felt relaxed. And I feel like in college doing track, I was and being a type A person, I was so busy, like I was putting a lot of pressure on myself academically, I was spending a lot of time doing athletics. And I was I'm also really social. So I was going out and drinking. So I was not resting. I was just go, go, go probably not living a very healthy lifestyle or resting as much as I should have been. But I felt like yoga was something where I could put my body to work in some productive way, which at the time felt really important to me, but I could let my mind rest a little bit, calm down. And I just left feeling so much more clear, I would say. So I stuck with it just going weekly, even like outside of the sessions with my team. Um, and then in DC, once I was working, I was really feeling kind of like a void in my life, like waking up, going to work, coming home, going to bed was not super fulfilling to me. And I, I don't know if it was missing the team or just missing like a physical outlet beyond going to the gym by myself. Um, so I think that's what really pushed me to spend more time on yoga um, and going with friends and c connecting with people outside of work through something that I really liked. So that was kind of like the transition from, you know, finding yoga into really enjoying it and appreciating it. And then I would say over time as a teacher, it's funny because when you learn, you like learn very like a regimented way of teaching. And I, I've only gone through one main training program, so it could be different, but you learn like one sequence and you like learn to deliver that. So it's kind of transactional. But as I got more comfortable teaching and was able to kind of move beyond just like regurgitating what I learned, I think the best part for me is really connecting with other students. So um, like when I was teaching, I would have people who yoga is their primary form of exercise, but that's probably the exception to the rule. And I would say most people do something else. So they do, you know, they run, they lift, they golf, they, you know, do some other kind of movement as their primary form of movement. But they would find that yoga had so many benefits for them. So in my classes, I really tried to uh, like adapt to that, like learning what people 
really came to yoga for and then how can I make it more functional and less intimidating? I totally understand and really have come to appreciate the more spiritual side, but I don't think that's the greatest way to get people in the door. You need to connect with them on something that like they want to work on. Um, so that, that's been more my philosophy lately. Um, and yeah, obviously I've had to transition or I won't say had to, I did transition from teaching in the studio to online during COVID, which kind of has been a blessing in disguise, I would say. Yeah. And I actually have taken a few of your classes at the core power in Pentagon city, um, in the DC area. And you do have a very, I feel like you have a very unique style of teaching and it's not just, um, the spiritual teacher, which a lot of people I think probably think of when they, when they hear the word yoga class. Um, I feel like you really bring it down to earth to the, the normal person that's coming to your class. Like there's things outside of work or outside of the, the room rather that are bringing them into the class. Like there's a reason why they're going usually and um, getting to the root of that I think is awesome because during the class, like it's really important to connect mind body. Right. And I think that's probably a core element of your teacher training. Um, can you talk more a little bit about balancing the teacher training while working full time? Cause that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I appreciate you saying that cause that's definitely always my goal when I teach a class. So I would say, um, the company I was working at, it's Deloitte. A lot of people probably know it. I'm going back there. So that's, you know, no secret. I think I felt that they, my team at least, and honestly, everyone I met kind of as I worked there was really supportive. Um, the scheduling wasn't always easy because it is a client facing business. So you, it's, you know, if, if you're in an internal role, I feel like you can maybe move around meetings more, but like my meetings were often dictated by my clients, but the training was I'm not going to remember the exact amount of time, but I think it was like Tuesday, Thursday, 7.30 to 10.30 p.m. and um, on Sundays. So it was reasonable enough that I was 99% certain I wouldn't have a client meeting in government consulting at 7.30 p.m. So that was that was helpful. I was, that might be like a good asterisk. I was a consultant for the government, which if it's a commercial client, I'm sure that schedule would have been harder. So I kind of dedicated these eight weeks to doing it talk to people at work um, and it was just like a busy time the other thing that they have you do in addition to attending those sessions is take a lot of classes so that's the other thing I was doing like in the morning I was waking up at six taking a class going to work and then the evenings I was doing training but I really really enjoyed it and didn't feel as burnt out by it as maybe it like sounds like it could lead to so yeah I think I got lucky with a supportive company um, and colleagues and then just like knowing I would be busy, but I didn't have kids, didn't really have any other responsibilities at the time. Um, my now husband and I were dating, but I'm pretty sure he was at some kind of training. So I was just focused on that and made it work. It sounds like it was the perfect time in your life to do that because then shortly after you, well, I guess not shortly, but you know, a few years later, you got your MBA. And is that a part of your brain that you feel like you don't use in yoga? Or do you feel like you use your brain, the same part of your brain, I guess, while you're teaching yoga and studying for business school. Because I feel like a lot of people separate the two and think things like yoga or, you know, painting or something more creative uses just one side of, of, of who you are as a person. When really, I don't think people realize like how much planning goes into teaching a class. And it's, it is very business focused because you are, like you said, you're delivering, a, it's transactional. You're delivering a service for 
their money and that's how <laughs> teachers get paid. So can you talk to me a little bit about the parallels between teaching yoga and then going to business school and maybe if you have any um, lessons learned for, for people who are, who are embarking on the same journey? Yeah, I love that question. And I guess I'll take a little step back first. And the kind of the reason I went to business school is twofold. So one, I had an opportunity through my company to go with their support, which I felt incredibly grateful to have that opportunity and might not have considered going to business school if that wasn't an option. Because, um, you know, it's a really big investment of time and money. Um, but on the other side of things, doing my consulting job and teaching yoga and just like thinking about what am I passionate about and what do I want my career to be focused on, I kind of worked towards the realization I wanted to work in the space of healthcare, in the, the business world of healthcare. And so my, part of my intention of going to business school was to get a certain skill set. I had studied politics undergrad, so some of that was like basic economics and accounting and finance things I didn't really have a foundation in, but also the school I went to, Duke, has a really great health sector management program, which is very focused on teaching you like what what are the skills you need to be successful in the healthcare business world. So I'm super interested in digital health and health technology. So that's what I will we'll be focusing on when I go back um, to school. So that's just kind of like some context for going to business school in the first place. But I think it maybe shows how my teaching yoga extends or my interests extend beyond teaching yoga into like how I want to spend my time in my career, even though I don't think I want yoga to be my full-time career. Um, but I'm excited to have what I'm working on day in and day out be more aligned to my interests. But then I'll say like on the skill set thing that you mentioned, I do think there's some overlaps that maybe people don't realize. And I actually think yoga helped me in business school, at least right off the bat, because you have to do a lot of thinking on your feet and a lot of public speaking. Um, and later I had to do a ton of Zooms like this and interviews. And I had found that having led a room of like 36 people in person and like people of all types, I actually was like, wow, I'm way more confident now speaking to people and interviewing, talking to strangers than I was like when I was interviewing for jobs out of college. So I think that aspect was incredibly helpful, um, which is funny because I think business running like business school Im impacts yoga maybe more obviously than yoga impacts business school so that was one thing that like really I was like wow that was that's this is a great side effect I did not anticipate <laughs> yeah and it's like something that I don't think people really realize when when you're teaching a class whatever fitness class that might be no matter what you have to prepare you have to really think about what you're going to say I mean you can think on your feet a lot of times but I know that you would have um, intentions that you would set for the class. Like that's something that you have to prepare. And really like yoga specifically, you do have to get deep to think about these things. You can't, I mean, you could certainly Google like motivational quotes and stuff, but your whole class is kind of themed in yoga, or at least it was at core power. So even what you're saying throughout the class has to be aligned with what the intention is. So there has to be some of that, you know, preparation and in going into it. So I think that's really interesting that you said you're more confident in public speaking because of yoga, because I had no idea that even prior to that, you might not have had that same experience with public speaking because you, you seem so natural at it, but it's, it's awesome that yoga teaching taught you that. And it's, you know, helping you in your, in your studies and hopefully thereafter in your career. Um, how do you feel about your life after 
business school and, you know, now you're married and you're settling in, do you think that yoga will forever be a part of what you do on the side or you, are you kind of considering maybe one day launching your own thing, like an online platform? Yeah. So during COVID or when COVID kind of kicked off, I was actually with Sasha, your former guest and my friend uh, on a yoga retreat in Nicaragua. So I was like in the middle of doing some big yoga thing. I was helping her teach at the um, retreat when COVID hit and previously I'd been teaching at a studio during business school. So I came back and like everything was shut down and I started teaching yoga. Um, some of, well, let me back up. Some of my business school friends had been coming to class in the Durham area and they still wanted to do yoga and I still wanted to teach. So I was very offhandedly doing some online Zoom classes for them and it, they really liked it. And so over time, more people joined and um, I, I posted a few on Instagram and it turned into this thing where some of my former students would also join. So I'd get between like five and 20 people, depending on the day, to come just to an online Zoom. Um, so I was like, I think there's probably something here. And like the pandemic just continued and things stayed closed. So I had been recording all the videos. And then over the summer, when I had a little bit more free time, um, I learned via YouTube videos how to make a Squarespace site and put all my videos on this pretty subpar website, but um, basically started to build a platform, which I definitely would not have done if COVID hadn't been a thing. So that I feel like is a blessing in disguise. And then um, I just had it up there for free for like whoever wanted to access it throughout the entire summer. And I was mostly because I didn't really know how to set up a payment process. And I was like, people need to access yoga. This is something I've already done. So I'm happy to kind of keep it up there. But um, this past fall, I, through some help of friends and my husband, who's much more tech savvy than me, was able to set up a membership. So to answer your question, I do have a bit of an online platform now. Um, it's just called Emily Arden Yoga, Arden being my middle name. Um, so I, it's a monthly membership and I put new classes up every month. Um, and then recently I was able to move it off Squarespace to a new platform called Core Fitness, which a friend of mine from college is actually running. He's the CEO of this. It's a new startup. Um, it's really interesting and I'm happy to connect you or anyone with him if you're, if they're a fitness instructor interested in this. But basically they're taking the idea of Peloton, which is like a really great online fitness experience. I know you and I both really enjoy Peloton, but um, making it so that any fitness instructor can come in and launch their content on a site that's already really functional. So it's in kind of like a beta stage. I'm like helping them by giving feedback. So it's not perfect by any means yet, but that's been fun. So my intention at least right now is to continue doing this on the side. And I think to your point about planning a class, it takes you know a certain amount of time to plan, deliver, whether it's live or film the class, maybe like three hours is probably a good range. but in person, while there's benefits, you can only reach like the 10 to 30 people in the room. But when I spend that amount of time now, I can reach like an unlimited number of people. So this is where business school is impacting how I think about yoga, because the ability to scale my time is so much bigger online. So I'm starting to think about that. And like, if I still want yoga to be a side gig, how can it have the biggest impact? So I think an online platform really helps that. But yeah, I, I, I love teaching yoga in the time of my life when I taught a ton, which was right before I started school, I was teaching like eight to 10 classes a week. I didn't love it. I was pretty burnt out um, from the yoga itself. Like it was when my corporate job was winding down. So 
I feel like I've tested doing yoga somewhat full time. And um, I think I'd do it if no one was paying me just a couple of times a week. So for now, I think I'll stick to keeping it on the side. But, you know, never say never. We don't have any kids right now. In the future, who knows what, what will happen? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, congratulations on the online platform. And I, I don't think it's like a, a makeshift like website. Like it, I've taken a look. It looks legitimate. It's really cool. It's very impressive. And I think it's awesome that you pivoted so much during the pandemic. I mean, you were in business school at the time and a huge, huge benefit of business school is the in-person networking that you have and all those events. So not only did you pivot there to go to an online space, you did the same thing with yoga and teaching and also planning a wedding and then getting married. So talk to me a little about a little bit about, first of all, managing all of that because that's so much but also your relationship to change because you've transitioned a lot in the past year and probably more than a lot of people. Um, and how do you feel like your reaction to change has, has transitioned and changed and evolved over the past few years? Yeah, it's funny. I feel like when you mention it like that, I'm like, yeah, I guess a lot has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's you should give yourself like, credit. <laughs> <laughs> you take it day by day and like just keep yourself busy. I will also say during this past year, so um, my husband, I keep almost saying fiance, he's in the military and he was actually deployed from October to April. So the six months leading up to our wedding. So I also was like, just trying to keep myself really, really busy because it made it easier for me than just like being home and being a little bit sad. So it was a pandemic and a lot of things were closed, especially through like December, January. Um, so it was a really good time for me to like put all my free time into creating something online. So that, that was really helpful in terms of like other changes and how I've reacted. I mean, in terms of like this, this spring, it was just a really happy time, I would say, because obviously it was somewhat challenging for me to plan the wedding when he was deployed. And when once he was back and we had our wedding which we didn't know if we could have due to everything with COVID we luckily did not have to move it at all I was just like incredibly grateful and enjoying everything I was like we got to have the wedding that we wanted in Asheville with a beautiful day like I saw so many people I had not seen in so long he was back and like I was just really appreciating doing little things like having dinner together and going on a walk and so I even though it was like a busy time I feel like I was just like really, really happy throughout the whole spring because some like things were coming together and a lot of the, like anxieties I had had the past months were like dissipating. So yeah, I think it's been a good couple of months despite like all the busyness and change. It's definitely a, a great attitude to have just feeling like you're, I feel like you're really grounded in gratitude. Um, is that a daily practice that you've honed and specifically through yoga or are there other modalities that you have in the wellness space that keep you like so grounded yeah I think and maybe this is lucky but I feel like I'm a big natural optimist so it doesn't mean I like have a great day every day because that is not true but and actually you know I was thinking about things to talk about this kind of came up is one thing I think helps me on a daily basis just I feel the best when I like decide how I want to show up in my day like I've had days if, of course, like I'm stressed or things aren't going well. And if I wall in my own not feeling greatness, it just gets worse. So I really do try to have a positive attitude as much as I can. Um, doesn't happen all the time, but I think 
being an optimist has like definitely helped me. Um, I, I think it's maybe when I'm like trying to talk to someone else about issues they're facing, it might not be helpful because it's not like everyone sees the world the same way, but just like kind of being an agent in my own life and taking control of the things that I can um, has been really helpful. And then during the pandemic, I did, I won't say get real, I didn't get really into meditation, but I do meditate on a regular basis. I don't, it's not something I feel like I'm good at or like know a lot about, but I do like the Peloton meditations or there's a few others like Melissa Wood Health meditations um, or a couple on aloe moves. There's um, a woman, Kira Brandawa, who's I, I really like. They're all like 10 to 15. And I really try to do those in the morning, which helps. I think that helps when it's like a really day, which are the days when I feel like I tend to not feel as positive or grounded throughout the day so that that has been helpful um as well as journaling and most in, in the past month I would say I found that if I do if I write out my to-do list which I don't know if this counts as journaling but I'm writing in a journal my to-do list <laughs> then meditate I do so much better and my mind is so much calmer because I'm not thinking about what I need to do it's like on paper and it will be there when I'm done so that has also helped a lot so I have interviewed a handful of people so far, and almost everyone who has said that they journal in some way or meditate at the beginning of their day or just have like silent time, you know, prayer, devotion, whatever that might be, those are like the most, like, like they're type A, but like also very productive, the most enthusiastic people, grateful people. And I think there is something to be said, and I would love to have like an expert on to talk about the science of like brain dumping and like, mm-hmm. you know, the, maybe some, there's like a connection in our brain that releasing information um, helps you make space for other information. Um, totally. I'm sure that's true in some way, but I do the same thing. I write a to-do list. I do actually do it the night before because when I wake up, I'm like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> like, honestly, the yeah. first thought is like, thank you so much, God, for my body for this day, for my family. Okay, let me get out of bed. And then I'm like off to the races. Like I've mm-hmm. never been someone to just be able to sit and just like meditate. Um, I do like a five minute, uh, devotional on an app because I'm, I'm Catholic and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I meditate and that's when it like puts me to sleep. So I would love to know, like, do you find that meditation makes you sleepy or does it make you more energized? Cause I'm, I am definitely, (laughs) um, the sleepy version of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So my dad is the same as you. He meditates at night like and it puts him to sleep right away he loves it but I think I'm a really big morning person and have been like since college like this wouldn't be that early now but like in college I was getting up at seven and trying to do all my homework or go to yoga or something because I knew in the evening I'm not very functional at all so I do generally feel very energized in the morning um and I try to keep like the morning routine like I love a good morning routine I like to get out of bed you know have some water coffee and nowadays do a a short meditation but I try not to drag it out so I feel like if I was meditating for like 30 minutes then maybe I would get kind of sleepy but I I'm usually like have my highest best most creative energy in the morning and that seems to stick um in most mornings if my schedule allows I will also try to work out in the morning I definitely prefer to do that whether that's yoga or um like I'll do a mix of like strength and hit training or body I kind of mix it up a lot um but I, I love to do that in the morning if I can um so that definitely is like super energizing and gets me going because by like 7 
p.m. This is perfect timing because we're we're almost gonna hit like when I get very tired and like can't speak <laughs> and I'm not functional. But evening, I'm like no good at anything, so I've kind of learned to move when I need to be like on and productive to the morning. And it's funny, my husband is the opposite, so he is such a night owl and like we'll be going to bed at like 11 and he just has like this big new idea and wants to chat. And I'm like, I want to talk about this tomorrow, but my brain doesn't work right now. So please um, let's like shift it to tomorrow. <laughs> and also how the heck do you stay up till 11? I am in bed and I don't know if it's just cause I have a kid or something, but I've been like this forever. Even in high school, I was in bed at like nine o'clock, but then I'm bright. I'm like bread eyed and bushy tailed at like 5 30 like 5 a.m yeah. when i wake up i'm not great but by 5 30 i've had like a cup of coffee i'm ready to crush a workout so i'm similar to you in that sense um maybe that's why i push meditation off to the evening because i'm i need to prioritize it more so that's gonna be you've inspired me i need to start meditating in the morning to actually get the benefits from it instead of just like i literally fall asleep to a peloton meditation all the time i think it's good though i think honestly it's like whenever it works for you you know so, yeah, but it's like, I, I feel think... like you get the main benefits of the clear, the mental clarity and the energizing, um, I don't know, energizing thoughts and like, yeah, just it sets you, it sets you up nicely for the day, I think. So yeah, I think it's probably good to explore doing it different times and maybe both like those serve sort of different purposes, you know, like clearing your mind for the day versus falling asleep so versus <laughs> clearing your mind for the day too. yeah <laughs> um so you mentioned a few things that you do on a regular basis um so obviously working working out moving your body journaling in some way to-do list stuff like that but is there anything else in the day that um that really sets you solve, sets you up for success whether it's you know organization or time management or anything like that like time blocking yeah, I think writing out the to-do list is really helpful. Sometimes I'll write it out and not even look at it again throughout the whole day, but just like having it written down is really helpful. And then I'll, if it's like related to work or previously school, it's in my like Outlook calendar. So I won't miss something. But um, when I write it down, I'll include like personal things I need to do too. And just like getting that down is really helpful. Um, I feel very impacted by my environment. So I love to get outside whenever possible. So if I don't have time for a workout in the morning, I'll try to go outside for a short walk, um, listen to a podcast. I love to do that. Um, or just, we just like put some patio furniture out back. So even just like having my coffee outside, I'll like, I feel much better um, doing that. And I think like we've just moved into a new house and we've tried to set it up. So there's lots of natural light. And I feel like just like having a calm, a calm clean space, you know, where you work and, just like where you start your day is helpful to me. So I don't know to the extent, you know, that depends on everyone's environment if that would work for them. But um, I love to do that. And I'm trying to think of what else. I feel like I'm going through my day in my head. One thing that my husband and I have started to do, I'm almost hesitant to like say this because I, I don't call it this, but it's not intermittent fasting, but I eat breakfast later. Um, and I find that helps with energy throughout the whole day. So we'll have dinner probably ending dinner by eight often earlier between seven and eight and I'll just have coffee in the morning work out and then try to eat breakfast around like 10 um it just if I have coffee I don't get super hungry I'm not like purposefully not eating and I'm starving and waiting but just having for whatever reason having breakfast later I feel calmer throughout the day less hungry throughout the day um and try to eat like bigger meals and snack a little bit less 
So that's just kind of like a food thing that feels good and has helped me just, I think I used to be like a really big snacker. And I think for whatever reason, that's helped me a lot. We have such similar like styles of eating too. I feel like I'm, I don't even really pay attention to food anymore. Like I'll forget to eat. And it's not like a, I'm not being restrictive. I'm just like you, like time restricted eating is, I guess is what it's called technically when you don't eat between like, you know, 8am, 8pm or what, or like an extended period of time. Um, unlike the 16, eight window of out of hours of eating for intermittent fasting. But I do think there is something to be said about just having like bigger meals, because I think a lot of times women specifically are conditioned to eat as little as possible and stay as small as possible. But if you build like a nice bowl of like oats with like all this like good food and like fruits and nuts and maybe a a scoop of protein powder that can keep you full for like seriously four, maybe five hours if you're lucky. And, and like people don't realize like, yeah, that's like maybe 400, 500 calories. And that might scare some people to think about, but you're also not snacking at all. So if you do that three times a day, you're at like 1500. And I don't count calories at all, but I'm just trying to put it in perspective for people who do to show you that you're actually not eating as much as you think you are. And you're also taking the guesswork out of it because like you don't think about food. So you can then enjoy your life. Like, has it always been like that for you? Or did you ever have like a history of the yo-yo dieting kind of thing? Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. And I definitely, so when I was in college doing track, I was, I kind of described my very busy, somewhat unhealthy lifestyle in the sense that I was like never resting. And I definitely was working out a ton and definitely under eating. I think it's interesting. I think about this a lot now, like as a college, a D1 college sports team, we didn't ever have, or if we did, it was something I don't remember, a like nutritionist talk to us or anything like that which I think would have been so beneficial because especially in that age, you're in your twenties. I feel like a lot of young women are very, that's like a time where you're very worried about what you're eating and what you look like. And I was definitely super under eating um, for the amount of workout. Like I was running for like four hours and I would eat like salad for dinner. Um, I would eat like Froyo, but there's just no way I was feeling my body well enough. Um, And then when I stopped track, I was very worried about like what effects that would have on me. So when I was kind of like early into living in DC, I was very at various times using my fitness pal and like trying to track my food, which I'm kind of sad for myself when I think back on that for like that version of myself, because that's like not fun and not an enjoyable way to live. Like I really enjoy good food and eating it with other people. And like, I think that element of tracking, I know it works very well for some people. So I think to each their own, but for me, like I'm glad I, don't feel like I need to do that anymore. Uh, and I actually think like a good, I was proud of myself for this. So like getting ready for a wedding. I don't know if you felt this way for your wedding, but there's, there's pressure out there to lose, lose weight, look a certain way, et cetera. And I of course wanted to look and feel my absolute best, but I think I did a good job of really leaning into adding a lot of healthy foods and being as healthy, healthy as I could without restricting. So like, I was like, let me just, six months prior to the wedding starting in November, like try to cut out as many processed foods as I can and just like fill my plate. Actually like your plate method. I, you put that out like so long ago, I feel like, but I think about it all the time. Like, Oh my gosh. Half greens, like protein. And that makes so- me so happy. Like if people could see my <laughs> face, I feel like no one pays attention to anything I do. So if one person takes 
like that just made my whole day. Okay, continue. But oh my, wow, no, Kayla, so I happy for you. About this for like years. I always oh. think about your bite <laughs> method. But like doing that for six months, and I really tried to cut out sugars, which I always noticed feeling great. That's like the only really restricted restriction that I did, which I really feel like is not that much of a restriction if you just lean into like natural fruits like sugar or natural sugars like fruit. Yeah. <laughs> like that was wrong. You guys we're nearing uh, we're nearing the end of the evening. <clears throat> Excuse yeah, me for yeah, both of us. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing my brain start to turn off. Um and the only other thing was like so being in business school is very social. There's a lot of drinking. And so I was I tried to be very mindful around you know, basically one night a week, I was like, have a big social night and that's fine. And beyond that, maybe it's like only one glass of wine. So trying to be mindful there, but I felt great by the time the wedding came around. I didn't weigh myself. So I have no idea what changed. I just felt really good. I had invested instead in like some skincare stuff, which like, you know, is not diet or body image related. And I felt was like a good way to spend some time um to feel good in that way for the wedding so i was proud of myself for that because i think like five or six years ago i probably would have gone a little bit crazier on the food stuff oh yeah and i think that's like such a healthy mindset to just really like if you eliminate a lot of processed food and like you said added sugar your body it's incredible what it can look like because and i'm not talking like you don't have to do the whole 30 where you cut out beans and grains and things like that. Like I'm just saying, which technically they are processed, but I'm talking like highly processed Cheetos, things like that. Like even like really ultra processed snacks that are healthy, quote unquote healthy, like protein bars and things like that. If you just stick to like, you know, I don't know, like a handful of nuts and like an apple, like that might provide you similar sustenance, but far less, um, in my opinion, like far less, like quote unquote wasted calories because it's, you're getting way more in your stomach for (laughs) way less. Um, okay. So to round out the interview, I usually, I usually end with these two questions because I feel like they're so tangible and I really love podcasts where you leave and you have like a whole note section on your phone where you're like, Oh, I wrote down this book. I wrote down this, I wrote down this, you know, morning practice or whatever it might be. So, um, do you have any go-to resources like podcasts, books, coaching programs, anything that's helped you along the way in your wellness journey? Yeah. So I would say, so podcast, my number one podcast that I listen to, and I'm so excited every time an episode comes out is called Be Well by Kelly. I don't know if you're familiar with Kelly Levesque, but I followed her for a long time since I think like she put out her first book years ago. And I think she's awesome because she's super relatable and like a warm personality to listen to. I like feel really good when I listen to her voice, but she also is full of like science-backed knowledge. She brings on incredible experts. So, you know, there's always so many fads and, you know, this and that thing is very trendy in the wellness world. But I feel like when she brings on an expert to talk about something, I'm like, this is the real deal. I, I can trust it. So um, she I, she's probably like my top one I religiously will listen to um, in the wellness space. Um, every day I listen to the journal, which is the Wall Street Journal's podcast. It's like 15 minutes. And then the daily, which is New York Times. So now you do both. Much, yeah, they're really short. They're like Good 15, 20 minutes each. I'll do it when I'm getting ready or making right. breakfast yeah. or on a short walk. And some days I'll miss one, but I'll catch up if I can. Just because, you know, I, I try I try to read the news, but I am very, like one of my highest qualities is empathy, which in many ways is very good thing. And I know this is a high quality because I had a 
do the strength test at business school and that was my top one. But it also means like I feel like I'm very impacted by whether that's other people's emotions or struggles or problems. So I think these podcasts are short and I can listen to them at a time when I'm like in a grounded space and yes. not going to be like super overwhelmed by like reading through an entire newspaper. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know if you listen to any like news type oh. podcasts, but those yes. are, I feel like I, I enjoy those. And I know a lot of people who listen to them and then we like talk about the episodes too, which is nice. That is so cool because Sasha listens to, um, and Sasha was on the podcast. She's our connection. I know we mentioned that before. Um, Sasha, Sasha listens to, I think, The Economist. So I started okay. listening. It's like four minutes. It's super short. Oh, it's nice. like all quick hit headlines. So I've listened to that a few times, but I actually, I love Axios today. It's like 10 minutes or so. Um, they actually do like three stories. So like in the, in terms of news, it's like one big one and then two kind of smaller ones. Um, so I feel like I know like more about one than obviously the other yeah. two. Um, and then I really love The Daily too. So The New York yeah. Times, The Daily, like that is hands down probably one of the best news podcasts I've ever listened to. So I also have like a practice where once I'm getting ready or making breakfast, we're, we're so similar. It's crazy. Like I knew we yeah, were similar, but now it. listening to it, I'm like, <laughs> we are the same person. This is strange. Um, but yes, yeah, so you listen to news podcasts, you listen to Be Well by Kelly, who I also love. Mm-hmm. She, I studied at IIN basically because okay, of her, because cool. I just absolutely love her and her philosophy. Um, and she's, um, the holistic nutritionist for Jessica Alba. So of course I'm going to listen to anything she says. Um, yes. <laughs> so no, she's awesome. Yeah. I would say you mentioned books too, two yes. books. I actually heard someone else in your podcast mention untethered soul so I just want to second that because that book in terms of like the spiritual side of yoga and just life really I feel like changed how I think about a lot of things and like think about my relationship with my own thoughts and anxiety so can't recommend that enough and then um, from a yoga perspective meditation from the mat by Rolf Gates is a really just lovely book he goes through the eight limbs path of yoga but in 360 mini essays meant one for each day of the year so I I didn't read it in that way. I just kind of like flipped through it over time, but um, I love that one. And I've like gifted that to some friends interested in yoga. So if anyone listening is on a yoga journey, interested in yoga, et cetera, it, it's a really nice book because it brings like yoga to real life. And it, like this guy basically talks about like how his yoga practice interacts with his real life through like every single day of a year. <laughs> That's super cool. I feel like anything that's um, good for yoga teachers is probably good for the general public because it's like (laughs) teaching us all to calm down and like be grounded and centered. And I love all of that. I do need to read The Untethered Soul because I have heard that from multiple people and I just read The Four Agreements. So I'm like, I'm catching up on all these books and I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest. Do you make time to read like every day or are you like when you can? Yeah. This year has been better, I'll say. Um, my, I have two younger sisters, and we made kind of like a pact to try to read two books a month all year. I'm very behind on that, but it has made me read more books this year in attempts to reach that goal. Um, and my husband got me a Kindle for my birthday this spring, which also, I was always kind of like anti, not anti Kindle, but I thought I loved holding a real book. But I read way more with the Kindle because I can get, I'll usually get in bed and turn the light off and read till I get very tired um, or like on planes and whatnot. Um, So yeah, it's definitely not an everyday thing. I would love it to be. Uh, But yeah, I also, I really love to read fiction, to be honest. Like the self-help books are great and I will mix those in, but 
I'm kind of a big fiction, just like a good story um, reader. Ooh, do you have any favorite authors? Good question. Not to put you on the spot. Um, you can totally ignore my question. We can just <laughs> no, it's okay. Next. So I'm currently reading Such a Fun Age, which I'm loving. I don't even. I think the author her name's Riley something. Um, I actually don't have an author where I've read like a ton of okay. their books, but I have a Goodreads where <laughs> this sounds so nerdy, but I put in all the books I've read and rate them. I'm happy to send you that list and you can pull some from <laughs> That's it. That's amazing. Want. That's so cool. I feel like their reading has really become so much more popular from what I've seen um, since the pandemic began, just because people are, they have the time to, to like, totally. you know, they don't have to commute anymore. So instead of commuting an hour each way and then coming home, eating breakfast, watching a half an hour of TV and like passing out, they have the time to unwind after work. So yeah, I think a awesome. lot of people are just like reading more. So that's why I love asking about like books, podcasts, because like some people also aren't big readers. Like I do love to read, but I've mentioned it before. Like I am kind of like you where it doesn't happen every day. I wish it did. Yeah. And I want to be better about it, but you know, life is busy and we're both extremely busy in very different ways right now. And like, that's just something that has to be put on the back burner for a hot minute. You know, like I'll make totally. time for it when I can, but if it's not an everyday thing, like I'm okay. You know, the world's not going to end because you didn't read a book, you know? Oh yeah. No. And you can, you know, get a good list going. And then when the time comes, you just pick from the list. So yeah. Yeah. Like you said, planes, vacations, stuff like that. Like that's, I'll like crush a book in like two days if I, if I had the time, but I don't think that's going to happen until Finn goes to college. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have so enjoyed having you on. I always end every single podcast with this, with this question, which I absolutely love. And I'm sure you will have so many good insights, but what does living a life well-lived mean to you? Yeah, I really love that you end with this. And when I listen to episodes, I'm always excited to hear all the guest responses. So I, try, I, I thought about it and I couldn't boil it down to one. So I have three things that I'll make kind of quick. Um, one, I actually feel like I already touched on, but it's really like choosing to show up the way I want to every day, which sounds maybe simplistic and it's not always easy, but I feel like we obviously cannot control our circumstances, but one thing we can control is our attitude or mindset around whatever it is we're doing. And that's been super helpful to me throughout, you know, work life, personal life, et cetera. Like one quick example is I used to get so nervous for like a big meeting or something when I was first starting my job, but someone told me like, you want to have big weeks and you want to have big days. And it's, like you've worked really hard to get the opportunity to do something that is like something you care about and you're nervous about it because you care about it. So that's like a mindset shift I've tried to bring to things like that. Like I've this I've worked hard and now I get to do something really exciting. So kind of being an agent in your own life, um, being continuous learner. I think we've hit on a couple things related to that, but this one, um, my husband and I have talked a lot about this year and just the importance of learning new things and not getting stuck on autopilot and it can be big or small things. Um, so like we just moved to a new area where golf is really big. So I've been taking golf lessons and like last year in Nicaragua learning to surf, those are like, I guess more big physical things, but whether it's, yeah, like reading a book on a topic I don't know about, or um, just like talking to people about things that I don't know about. I don't, I'm just trying to really read, lean into learning and being curious um, is a big one. I think that just like, adds so much excitement. Um, and the last one for me is quality time with people that I love and care about. And 
because uh, like what is a life well lived if you don't have people to share it with and for us right now we don't live near our families at all my mom lives in the west coast my dad lives in the east coast my husband's family lives in texas and i feel like i've collected these friends from you know massachusetts growing up college now business school yoga dc and they're every they're all over the place so i have to be really intentional about carving out time to spend with them and um, whether it's reaching out via text or scheduling a visit when hopefully like that can happen more frequently. I just feel like quality time is something I value a lot. And um, I'm always trying to get better at like staying in touch and showing people that I care about them and being there to support them. So those are three things, not one, but I love the question. I love all of those three things. And I think that really personifies you as a person. I think that you are multifaceted and you're not just going to be one thing. And I think that that's something really special. Like you should have different parts of your life and different parts of your brain that you're working and and you're engaging and and learning and things like that. That makes you a well-rounded person, which is exactly why I wanted to invite you on because you're not just a yoga instructor and you're not just, you know, now you're a graduate of business school and re-entering the workforce. Um, you're all of these things. And like, I think that that's a really beautiful thing to say that you don't have to be just one and it's okay to have a side hustle and work full time because lots of people quit their jobs and there's nothing wrong with that. I've actually interviewed a lot of them and I think that's incredible. And I'm so inspired by that, but I'm also not doing it just like you. So, you know, it's okay to, to be more than one thing. And I just feel like people need to be reminded of that. And I feel like you did that very beautifully this episode. So thank you. so much for coming on the podcast. Where can we find you on social and your website? Yeah, thank you so much. And this has been so fun. I feel like we could literally chat forever. Like you said, we have so much in common. Um, but yeah, you can find me. Uh, my, I guess, yoga Instagram is at Emily Arden Yoga. Arden is A-R-D-E-N, yoga. So Emily Arden Yoga. Um, my personal Instagram, I guess I share on both. So that's Emily underscore underscore Addy. And my website where you can do um, a free trial, a seven-day free trial of my yoga membership is emilyardenyoga.com. I think those are all the places. I don't, awesome. I'm not on TikTok yet. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe <next year. laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I'm currently a TikTok lurker, but I don't really go on very much. I can go like days without it and not even miss it. I might delete it too. So we'll see. But I am so, so, so thankful that you came on. Um, We'll be sure to have you back. Maybe a year from now, I say this to almost everyone, but I would love to like have an episode in the future to see where, what you've done, like with your yoga platform and how work is going and, and, you know, marriage and married life and all that good stuff. So thank you again for coming on and we'll be sure to catch up with you later. Sounds so good. I would love to come back. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Kayla underscore underscore Brandon. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.